Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome in, podcast listeners. We've got a loaded show for you. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis comes by to update us on the latest in the state of Florida. We'll also talk with Shannon Spake and Chris Mannix. All of that to lead you into your weekend. You will enjoy. It is outstanding. Trust me. It'll be Outkick the Coverage, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, usually live, but you get it on podcast, and it begins now. Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis, live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. We are scheduled to talk with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at 8.20 Eastern. That is a big guest that is on the way. Fingers crossed that that's going to be able to happen because he has been right at the center of this entire landscape of sports whether it was the wwe putting on wrestlemania way back in early april whether it was the ufc from jacksonville tiger and phil getting their golf challenge on with uh, peyton manning and tom brady was also in florida we've got nascar racing that is going to be down in florida before too too long uh the uh, the governor said that uh, any team that was not allowed to play basically in uh, their home state was welcome to come to Florida, which I think was a big part of the impetus that we saw in New York and California starting to open their states back up. All of that has been directly connected. In fact, you can argue that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has been more instrumental in bringing back sports than any public elected official in this country so far. I am excited to talk with him. But 
I am also fired up and curious to hear what he might say about this with the Major League Baseball teams and owners unable to get things worked out officially with the NBA and the MLS and the NHL, to me, all a bit dragging their feet. And in particular, what I'm fired up about is when you look at what is happening overseas in countries where there have been more substantial impacts from the coronavirus, they are starting to get back to work. And in particular, the English Premier League. Now, I know some of you out there are going to be like, oh, Clay, I don't care about soccer. I don't watch soccer. Why are you talking about the EPL? I'm not telling you I'm going to break down who's going to win games. But the English Premier League is going to be back now in mid-June. Okay? The English Premier League has beaten back the NBA, Major League Baseball, the MLS, and the NHL. And some of you out there were like, well, I don't know why that's a big deal. Well, it's a big deal because England has had a more significant outbreak in their country than we have in the United States on a per capita basis. And for those of you out there who don't realize this, while I know everything is very United States centric, uh, as, as you would well imagine, every country is obsessed with with what's going on in their own country. Uh, In terms of deaths per 1 million people in the United States, we have had 309 deaths per 1 million people in the population, roughly, right? This data constantly is adjusting on a day-to-day basis, but a little bit over 300 per 1 million. The United Kingdom, England, has had nearly double that. So on a per capita basis, England has had a much more substantial outbreak in the United Kingdom, in England, than we have had in the United States. They have had somewhere around 40,000 people die in their country of the coronavirus, and they have a much much less substantial population than we do. So on a per capita basis, England has had nearly twice as many deaths as we have, and they've had much more to deal with uh, from a difficulty basis. Their prime minister was in intensive care. They have had a really tough go of it as a European country dealing with the coronavirus. Yet they, despite the fact that they have nearly twice the death rate that we do, are going to get back to soccer faster than we get back to any team sport in our country. That means that the United States of America, to me, is not leading with sports as I believe we should be leading with sports. The Major League Baseball players and the owners, the NBA players and owners, MLS NHL is a little bit different because the NHL has to deal with the complexity of going across the border a lot more than the other leagues do. And also, theoretically, it's harder to find a really good surface of ice than it is to find a normal place to play basketball or baseball. This is just infuriating to me. Uh, We should already be back up and running if you look at the data in terms of training at least right now. Spring training should be going on in baseball. Basketball teams should be officially underway. 
MLS hockey, all of this as we enter June. The first day of the month in June is on Monday. We'll be back here sitting with you on Monday. There's no reason why every American pro sports league shouldn't be back into training. Even in New York, which is the worst outbreak in the United States by far, and even in New Jersey, which is the second worst, all emanating from New York City, they are now saying pro sports teams can be back training in those locations. How in the world can that be the case and we are not yet back in the United States in places where there are far less issues than in the New York City area and its bedroom communities. It's just nonsensical to me. It really is incredibly frustrating that we are not able to at least be moving in tandem with the, uh, with the English Premier League. This is a situation where we should have had a resolution where things should be moving in a really good position and direction, and they are not, and it's really frustrating to me as a sports fan. Now, I hope that they're going to be able to eventually work it out, but it's different if Germany's back because the Bundesliga, Germany didn't really have very substantial of an outbreak. But if you look again at per capita data, the fact that England is nearly twice us in the death rate, is it, it, it's wild to me that we aren't able to be back and off and running like we should be as a result of what is going on in the country. I understand that things have been a challenge over the past couple of months ever since Rudy Gobert stepped off the court. But if the UK, if England can get back the Premier League, there's no reason why the American sports teams shouldn't be back playing either. And they are going to beat us back by over a month. We're talking about the NBA in late July. Hopefully we get more news about the NBA after the Board of Governors meeting that's happening later. We're going to talk with Chris Mannix in hour number two. He's our uh, he's our NBA expert. Hopefully he'll be able to shed a little bit more light on that. But I'm just frustrated that the sports leagues in America are moving so slowly compared to the English Premier League. Uh, props to the English Premier League for getting back. But again, Uh, A lot of people focus on the United States exclusively. There are a lot of European countries that are planning on returning to sports that had a lot more significant of outbreaks than we did. In particular, France, Italy, uh, England, Spain, all of those countries had more significant outbreaks on a per capita basis than we did. And yet they are all, certainly in in Italy with Serie A, with the Bundesliga, with Germany, which had a less significant outbreak, uh, but with Spain, everybody is starting to talk about coming back and England is going to make this happen and we still have not done it. Are we moving as rapidly and expeditiously as we should be? This is one of the things I want to talk about with Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who is scheduled to join us. I always get a little bit nervous talking about when we've got a big guest, the governor of Florida, obviously super busy about whether it's officially going to happen or not, but he is scheduled to join us at 8.20 Eastern. And these are several questions that I'd like to ask him. We got Tom Brady joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we have got, in theory at least, all of these different amusement parks opening back up in Florida. Today, I believe, is the day that Legoland opens back up. Next week, Universal Studios in Florida is going to open back up. Florida is trying to lead the charge to getting back to normalcy. 
I wonder if Ron DeSantis thinks that the leagues are taking too long. We'll also find out if he can share anything with us uh, about the idea of the NBA finishing their season at Walt Disney World. Same sort of thing maybe going on with MLS as well. Again, the governor of Florida has been more instrumental, I would argue, in the return of sports in this country than anybody has anywhere across the entire landscape of the uh, of the sports uh, universe as we deal with all this coronavirus. So that is where we are headed uh, with Ron DeSantis scheduled to join us at 8.20 Eastern. Fingers crossed that that will end up happening. But we have got and will continue to have a lot of other stories that we're unpacking. Major League Baseball, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with the NBA? This is an instrumental week. This is an instrumental day in trying to determine all of that. We will continue to break all of this down as we move forward. But I want to, uh, to go ahead as we move forward and uh, let you know that, uh, that we are going to be joined next by Shannon Spake. She is a NASCAR. She's on Race Hub, which has been absolutely killing it. NASCAR's got a big race in Bristol this weekend. What has NASCAR seen in terms of success? We will talk about that with her. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their firestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be joined by Shannon Spake. All right, Shannon, you're hanging out with us here. Uh, and I want to start off this interview by a confession. We had our state capital challenge on this show a couple of weeks ago. Not to brag or draw attention, but I beat you yeah, head to uh-huh. head. It was really kind of an extraordinary <laughs> win by me. But then my kids who were finishing off their school, my wife had been teaching them at home, they also had been learning their state capitals like your twin boys had. And so for the final day of school, we had a head-to-head challenge, me versus my two sons. My 12- and 9-year-old got to team up uh, and go head-to-head against me. And they beat me head-to-head going through all 50 states uh, and uh, were able to, uh, to advance to the championship there of the Travis family. How many did you get right? Well, we went back and forth. Um, I think I missed – so I got 25 of them, and I think I missed three. So I think I got 22 out of uh, 25 correct. They got 24 out of 25 correct. So they only missed one. So uh, that was the the tally. They ended up beating me. You could steal if your side missed one. The only one they missed was Montpelier, and uh, I missed three. So they ended up beating me. Yeah, my defense is my brain is not as um, as, as spongy as theirs anymore That's in right. terms of retaining, in terms of retention, and, and things that I've remembered. But I, honestly, I don't think I ever learned state capitals when I was growing up in school. I don't remember that at all. Uh, I might have, but I certainly don't remember it. So, uh, But my kids got 100. I was, I was pretty stoked. You know, like I said, I, I might not have been the best states and capitals person on this show but my kids got 100 and and that's all that matters (laughs) i will say this we had a massive debate because after our uh discussion dub pulled five states for people out there who don't know and we went head to head on it uh but south dakota the capital of south dakota after we had our discussion a bunch of people sent me emails from south dakota and because i had said pierre south dakota which and I they were said like, too. Yeah, like you thought that was the way it was pronounced. I mean, that's the uh-huh. way it's written. But everybody yeah. was like, no, no, no. It's pronounced pier like a boat pier. Uh, and so I said pier, and my boys lost it and said, <laughs> no, it's Pierre. And then we went, and I want everybody else to try this too. We went to the Amazon Alexa, you know, because uh-huh. we were sitting Alexa's in our kitchen. The best, right? <laughs> yeah, except Alexa got it wrong and oh. said that it's pronounced Pierre. 
So I don't know how controversial this is in South Dakota, but there's a big debate about how to pronounce their state capital. You know, th- this reminds me. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, what's the um, the uh, uh, when he sits in the car and he does the singing with the the celebrity songs? It's um, yeah, the Corbin, James, right? James, Corbin. James Corbin. Yeah, yeah. He had uh, he had Barbara Streisand in there one time, and they were saying her name wrong, and she's got so much pull that she actually like reached out to Alexa and had them alter the way that they've been saying it. Like that's what I learned in that interview with Barbara Streisand, and and James Corden was like what you actually like called like the people from Alexa and had them change it. And she's like, yeah, did you <laughs> see, by the way, call. did you see the video of James Corden? Like I've always believed that in carpool karaoke, they're actually driving. Yeah. Did you see the video of the way they film it? They actually drive <laughs> them on like the car is up off the ground surrounded by cameras. And so they're not actually driving. Yeah, I had to think that that was the case, but I'm like you. I was always looking to see if like there was he was going to get in a wreck or something, right? Right. But he certainly was not paying attention. But you got to think that they do it like a, a movie. But those those are pretty good. The Barbara Streisand one was pretty awesome. I mean, if Amazon Alexa is getting wrong one of every <laughs> fifty state capitals, I would think this would be an outrage in South Dakota, right? I mean, because my kids, as soon as as soon as Alexa said nope, nope, Alexa said it's Pierre, like they refused to acknowledge it. So I had to have my mom was there because we were celebrating the end of uh, school, so we were having pizza, and I had my mom look it up, and I was like, "Hey, can you verify how this is pronounced?" And she said, "No, you're right, it's Pierre." I wonder how Alexa says Illinois. I wonder if she says Illinois or Illinois. Oh, because, you know, that's say, one that people get wrong, too. It's Ill, uh, Does anybody say Illinois? I, I hear it a lot, actually. I really oh, do. I hear Illinois That's a disaster. A Maybe, yeah. yeah. And, 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 like, I mean, and Florida's one, too, right? Because some people say Florida and some people say Florida. You know, I've got the government, theoretically, I never, I always hate when we have somebody scheduled uh, who I, you know, has never been on the show before, because one of the things you do in radio is like, you'll tease like, hey, we've got a guest coming up. We have scheduled right now the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis Uh-oh. on the show. So, uh, so that would be, uh, yeah. So we'll see whether or not uh, Ron DeSantis is going to be on. But yeah, there's lots of different things like that, that pronunciation. Totally. But I feel like you should get the state capital right. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't have been able to guess if that was the state capital anyway. So I would have lost bad. So and and I've never like South Dakota. We talked about this like and I, and I, again, you had people from South Dakota call you, but I've never been to South Dakota. I've never met anyone from South Dakota. I, I'd love to see it. I think it's probably a beautiful part of the country. Uh, but uh, I, I certainly probably couldn't. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I would find it on a map. I certainly wouldn't be able to. Oh, you know what? My uncle told me this. Interesting. He told me that the capital of each of the states is actually located in the center of the state. And, and that's how they determine the capitals. Because you had mentioned that why isn't Chicago the capital of Illinois? Or why isn't Charlotte the capital of, of North Carolina? Or, or so on and so forth. And then he mentioned something about Florida is the only one that's kind of off. You'll have to ask the governor this as well, because it used to end Swampland. So it didn't actually go all the way down to South Florida. Now, listen, my uncle telling me this, this is not me. I'm sure you're going to get calls from people in Florida saying this is not true. And I have no idea what I'm talking about. But Tallahassee is like the only one that kind of doesn't really stick to that model. So I don't know. That, it, check out the states. I think all the capitals are located in the center except for maybe Florida. This is just blo- that's just that's blown my, my mind, knowledge. actually, now my that knowledge. I'm thinking about because I'm just sitting around <laughs> thinking about it right now. And 
that is true for a lot of them that I'm just thinking of right off the top of my head. There aren't very many that are really close to the border of another state. Now, Nashville is kind of long and skinny, so Nashville is Mm -hmm. in the middle part of the state. But we're only, you know, where I live here, about 35 minutes or so from the state of Kentucky. But I'm going to I'm going to now think about this during uh, when I get the map out during a commercial break. And I'm going to look at this to see whether your dad, uh, your uncle uncle. is a genius or not. Yes. Courtesy of my uncle, Victor, who's a big fan of your show, by the way. Well, shout out to Uncle Victor. Uh, Is he living in Florida now? (laughs) He lives here in, in North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, your whole family just relocated to North Carolina, basically, right? Your sister's there. They Everybody's did. just. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So let's pretend you're back in Florida because we're going to get to NASCAR or here. Florida. In a minute, or but Florida. Yeah, yeah, however you want to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Would you take your kids right now? Today, Legoland opens. Next week, Universal Studios opens. SeaWorld is opening. And uh, the, uh, the all of the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom and Walt Disney World is opening in mid-July. Would you go to an amusement park? Yeah, so I'm getting closer to the answer to that being yes, Clay. I know you and I have discussed this many yeah. times, and, you know, I am I was so far on the other side of this. I've been, I was nervous about the COVID-19 stuff before, you know, anyone really even got nervous about it. I, I am getting closer to saying yes to that because I do think that most people are being smart and there's, you know, it's probably going to be, I mean, obviously it's going to be the cleanest that it's ever been. I mean, how many times have you gone to any of these amusement parks and you don't even want to touch, oh, you know, yeah. the railings anywhere. And, and you said you let your kids play at Dave and Buster's like that just, you know, like I, just <laughs> I took them to the Dave and Buster's in it. Panama city. Yes. I'm, I don't know how your wife is, but like, I'm like chasing them around with like hand sanitizer even before all this started. So, but I do think that places are getting, they're getting safer. And I do, I mean, listen, I do believe that they're going to have some protocols in place that when you do go to these places, maybe masks are mandatory. Or it's definitely going to be cleaned every night. Social distancing is going to be a thing. I mean, I go to my grocery store right now and I have to walk in a certain way and I have to walk down certain aisles. Even at FS1, when I go to work, that's how it is. Everybody has masks on. So I'm getting closer to saying yes. I still haven't been able to say yes to letting my kids, they're going to do like a little camp next week at their school. But it's like an arts camp that they'll be with, you know, yep. very limited amount of kids. It's nothing crazy. I'm still trying to feel it out. So I'm getting closer to saying yes. But right now, I think I'd kind of just wait to see what the protocols that are in place. But I'm super, I'm super conservative when it comes to that, when it comes to my kids. And you and I have discussed that. I still haven't been to a restaurant. We, uh, we do takeout all the time, so I'm not freaked out about getting takeout. And I'm going to the grocery store, and I'm back at work, and I'm doing things that I think are kind of getting me back into my routine. But uh, I, I haven't gone all the way yet. I, I think this is kind of uh, fascinating on so many different levels. But when you and I were down at the Super Bowl, which is the last time most people in our business were actually mm-hmm. out and about circulating almost, right? Um, I remember we were doing Radio Row. And, and one mm-hmm. thing that I wonder, I haven't gotten antibody testing. but I did. You did. Do you? You didn't yes. have it. Nope. I, I came up negative because I wanted to like listen. I, there's you. You hear so many people who who say I was sick in January. I swear right. I had this in January, and I, my neighbor was like that. And I said if my neighbor was this sick, and if my neighbor did have you know COVID nineteen, and my na- and and it is as contagious as they say it is, and there's no way I wasn't exposed to it. Like not, it's not possible. So I went and got tested just because I wanted to know. So what did, did that entail? Negative. Yeah. So what did that entail? So you just went to a regular doctor, they took your blood, and then, like, how long did it take for you to get a a notice about whether or not you had had the the coronavirus? 
Five days. Yep. Five it days. Super simple. My, Did you my, do your whole family doctor, or just you? Just me. Because I figured, I, first of all, I'm not going to have my kids. I'm not going to subject them to having a needle in their arm. If they yeah, don't join have the to. club. Yeah. No yeah, kidding. Yeah. I had to hold my child down when he got a flu shot this year, like yeah. literally sit on top of him, which is Oh, it's, a, it's miserable. Me. I mean, look, it I'm was, still kind of a wuss about getting my finger pricked. So <laughs> I totally get my kids not wanting to get shots, which is their first question anytime there's any mention of the doctor. Um, and so that's one of my favorite things. Great parenting tip, by the way. <laughs> Anytime your kid is crying, I've found this to be tremendously successful. I will immediately say, and you know it's not serious, right? I'm not talking about if somebody falls off, you know, like a third-story building or something. I'm talking about, like, you know, they're out in the backyard and they, they trip and fall uh, and they're crying really hard or whatever. I'll walk up and I'll be like, oh, man, that looks really bad. Uh, let's go get in the car. we got to go to the doctor, and he's going to have to give you two shots to make sure you're okay. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. yeah. Right it's up, amazing yeah. how quickly yeah. – any kid is told, hey, you got to go to the doctor and it's going to take a couple of shots. It's amazing how quickly they heal. It's a great it was, parent line. It was devastating to me because it took me four times of like attempting to hold him down to get the shot. And he's like kicking the, the nurse and he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. this is like my wife's and, worst nightmare, too. It was it was horrendous. So I'm not going to subject my kids to that. If, if I would have come up positive, then I probably would have had them tested just to see. Um, but no, I, I came up negative, and so I kind of did the baseline for the whole family. It was super easy. Uh, again, it came up negative, so yeah. So I have yeah. Them, so I the reason why I bring it up is there are stories that this thing was starting to already circulate in Florida mm-hmm. in December and in January, and so. Mm-hmm. I wonder, because we were down at the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl is so social in terms of Mm -hmm. all the movement and how many people are so closely packed together, and you did your show, uh, Race Hub, which I'll get to in a minute, which is doing incredible uh, Mm -hmm. ratings-wise. You did it from that big Fox lot, but there were a lot of different people that you're shaking hands with. I mean, it's just like we had live studio audiences. I probably shook, you know, not, not, not even joking a hundred people's hands a lot of those people were from san francisco where we know there was already exposure going on like all that stuff so i wonder on some level whether it was circulating but the reason why i bring up that story is i remember being at radio row and one guy walked up to me and he was passing out masks and he was like this coronavirus everybody needs to start wearing masks and i was like oh you're crazy there's no way this is going to be a big story and now there you have it. Like so, people were talking about it at the Super Bowl, but nobody's behavior was changing in any way. Yeah, I keep trying to think about when my when my alert, like when my I became heightened about the coronavirus, and, and I, it certainly was not at the Super Bowl. I wasn't thinking about it then, but I did like in probably in February. Sometimes I think I bought masks because I was like, hey, you know what? If I don't use them, I don't use them. I've got them. But I, I went on Amazon one day to try to buy, like, 40 masks of the N85 or what it is, N95. This person was charging $200 shipping for uh, for masks on Amazon. It was absolutely incredible, and that was really early on. So, you know, I, I, I can imagine what it got like when it was really, really bad. But I don't, I don't remember worrying about it at the Super Bowl at all. Yeah, I, I don't think there was at all uh, worrying about it there either. So, um uh, the question for you. So I want to circle back around now to NASCAR. And first, I'm going to give yeah. you props. Uh, we're talking to Shannon Spake. You can follow her on Twitter at Shannon Spake. I tweeted this out yesterday. Uh, you guys on Memorial Day, Bobby Barack, mm-hmm. who writes at Outkick, you guys were almost the highest rated show in the entirety of sports. Uh, you had over 300,000 viewers, uh, which was 1,000 behind First Take, which would have made you the highest rated show 
in all of sports television other than the actual sporting events that are going on. Um, do you get the sense that NASCAR is, one, reaching over into a new audience, and two, that so many people are just obsessively excited to be back, that that is a huge part of the success? Yes. I mean, yes, I, I definitely feel that. I, I feel like there's a lot of people that are talking about it that maybe didn't, whether it be the iRacing stuff that was so um, on display during the whole you know, quarantine time or obviously us being the first sport to go back and, and watching the way we do it. Plus, like our races, Memorial Day, Coca-Cola 600, it's a long race. But it's Memorial Day. I mean, it's the greatest day in all of racing. And you didn't have Monaco. You didn't have the Indy 500. You had the Coke 600, which on its, on its regular day, which is a huge, huge day. And, um, and so I, I definitely think that there are more eyeballs on it. But i, I got to give a lot of credit to our fan base, Clay. They are, they are loyal, right? I mean, there is – I mean, listen, I know there's a lot of loyal fan bases. But the NASCAR fan base, I've been covering this sport for almost two decades. They are they – are, they, they love their sports. They love their, their – they're just so loyal. That's the best word I can use. And I do think that they appreciate what we've done. I, I listen those, – those ratings are amazing, not for me, but for all of my producers. I've got to tell you, my producers, they tell me – We've worked harder during this time over the last three months than we've worked ever because they're just constantly trying to, they're editing from home or they're, you know, we're doing Zoom meetings or we're doing this. They're just constantly going. And and it's a real testament to how hard the folks on Race Hub work. I am blessed to be part of it. I've said this a million times. I walk in, I've got these crazy ideas, these creative ideas. I throw spaghetti on the wall. You know, that's my sort of, just to see if stuff sticks. And I've never been told no at Race Hub. Now, obviously, this time we have, uh, you know, depleted resources in terms of people. So it's a little different. But I've never been told no. They're always willing to try things. Our our show's super fun. It's just really, I'm really happy for everybody on Race Hub. You you listen to the show sometimes, so you know that on Thursday's program, we were talking a lot about Major League Baseball players not taking pay cuts or what the situation's going to be. And look, the reality is we're over 40 million unemployed. Uh, a huge percentage of the people that are fortunate enough, by the way, that's one in four of every people in the United States, which is just a crazy yeah. stat. Uh, the people, Many of the people who are fortunate enough to still have their jobs have taken pay cuts or had some sort of significant economic setback themselves. Yep. You told me, I didn't realize this, that NASCAR uh, drivers have taken pay cuts. I haven't really seen that publicized. And so that kind of factors in in terms of baseball and getting things worked out. Most people who are out there working right now, even in the world of sports, even highly paid athletes like NASCAR drivers are taking pay cuts. Yes. Yeah. I mean, governing bodies, NASCAR itself, the the drivers, which, again, like you mentioned, I I haven't heard a lot of that out there. I haven't seen it publicized. Um, But, yes, it definitely did take pay cuts across the year, not just for certain times is what I was told, because I think some people are taking it for certain months during this time. They got it for across the the, the year. And, by the way, they are going to get their full schedule in. And, by the way, they just had four races in 11 days. And, by the way, they dealt with a rain delay, and they're dealing with this. I'm not not in any way – perform trying to say what was me for these drivers right they make great living doing exactly what they love to do but yeah they have certainly the nascar community has not only tried to get this thing started but they're doing their part in in getting it started and doing what they have to do financially
I think we're going to South Florida soon, right, on the NASCAR yeah. schedule, uh, which mm-hmm. is where you grew up. How do you think that <laughs> will be different than uh, the places where they've been so far, where it's been drivable mostly, right? The Bristol, the, the, the Darlington, uh, I think Atlanta, you know, all these different areas are relatively close where it's easy to get to. This is the first really substantial trip. Will that feel different when that happens? Yeah, I don't know. You know, there's still going to be the limited amount of people. Most of these drivers do have their own airplanes. So, you know, in terms of social distancing, they're not jumping on a, you know, commercial flight or a team plane, right? Because a lot of teams, most teams have their own planes as well. But those team planes are usually packed. And I would would venture to say it's not going to be that way. Obviously, we've limited the amount of people at the racetrack. But um, I think that they'll probably do a lot more because, listen, no one we don't no one wants to, like, have someone kind of come up with this. And then everyone that they've been around have to be, um, you know, have to be quarantined or be, be taken away. But I think um, I think it's a it's going to be a great test for sure, because this weekend we go to Bristol. We've been in Charlotte, which was here, uh, Dar- Darlington, which is a you know two hour drive. Atlanta is a place that we're going. Talladega is a five hour drive. So Miami will be the first one that's that's a uh, significant. I mean, some people can still drive down there, obviously, and maybe that's what they'll do. I think it's eight hours or something down to Miami. Maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe the teams will, will pack up and have everyone drive. So we'll just have to see. I think, I think we're all kind of just still taking it day by day and just seeing how things go. Outstanding stuff as always. Shannon Spake, thank you for your time. We will talk to you next week. Until then, keep killing it on Race Hub and as a part of the NASCAR coverage. Thank you for the love, by the way. I really appreciate it, Clay. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's such a great family that we have at Race Hub. We'll have to get you on the show sometime. Well, I would be an expert. There's nobody who knows more <laughs> about racing. Imagine how much higher the ratings would be, by the way, if you never used Todd Furman. I know you said that. It was so funny is that like Todd Furman and Joel Klatt are two of my, um, like, I just love both of them. And, and you, just, you guys go at it, the two of you with, with those guys. I, I love it. I love listening to you guys go back and forth. Yeah, those dudes are uh, awful human beings, but uh, I appreciate you coming on. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Kumo tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports see their kumo test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be I heard uh, Phil Mickelson talking a couple days ago, and I wanted to hit this, uh, about the uh, potential of having another golf challenge, which would be a third with Tiger Woods. And reports are out there that he has he and Tiger signed a deal to do three different Tiger versus Phil challenges. First one was on pay-per-view a couple years ago, wildly successful. To their credit, they got Peyton Manning and they got, uh, Ty- and, and they got Tom Brady all rolled in for this challenge. But it was interesting because Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson did something that baseball should be doing. And I want to explain exactly what I mean by this. They could have easily made the decision, we need to maximize our revenue as golfers and insisted that this event be on pay-per-view with Peyton Manning and with Tom Brady. But instead, they read the room They understood what America is going through right now. 40 million people unemployed. We've got over 100 million, probably, that are either unemployed or have taken substantial pay cuts in this country. And they made the decision to put their challenge on free television. I know it was cable, but it's free television on TNT. And they did it for charity, and they raised over $20 million. 
they could have been tone deaf, like many athletes are being tone deaf right now, and tried to maximize their revenue. They didn't do that. They put out a great product, and they made the world a little bit better place. And you know what that means? When they come back and they do another one of these events, if they get Michael Jordan or Steph Curry or someone like that involved, they're going to theoretically be able to take it back to pay-per-view and make a lot more money on the third go-around than they would have if they hadn't done the one in the second for free. And this is a big takeaway that I think a lot of athletes are missing, and it's why I'm so fired up about the return of sports in general. You heard me talk about how the English Premier League is coming back uh, and how they beat the NHL and the NBA and Major League Baseball and the MLS, how they beat them all back to play, even though the situation in England is worse than the situation in the United States on a per capita basis. But what's really the most frustrating about this is athletes not understanding that they're in a long-range business as opposed to a short-range business. They need to make sure that their business is healthy and that in the years ahead, people are going to want to consume their content and support them as opposed to trying to maximize their revenue right now and not thinking about the long-term effects of that decision. And the long-term effects of alienating 40 million unemployed people and 100 million people who have taken pay cuts by millionaire baseball players arguing with billionaire baseball owners is not in any way a good look for Major League Baseball. This is an untenable situation that baseball finds itself in right now. And all you have to do is look to golf and understand what the value of reading the room and having the right take at the right time can be. I'm sure Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson like golf, uh, like money, every bit as much as those baseball players do. And I'm sure they could have made more money in the short term by putting their golf event with Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods on pay-per-view. But by doing the right thing and raising money as much as they could for charity and by putting it and playing that in front of the largest audience to ever watch a golf match, they have absolutely helped themselves and their brands in the years ahead. They can make back the money that they're not making now based on goodwill that they have created among the American sports audience. Your brand has value in a long-term basis. You can't always make decisions predicated entirely on what am I going to make for the next six months or even what am I going to make for the next year. As we finish off our number one Friday edition of the show, I think this is an instructive lesson for a lot of people out there in their own careers. It's not always the best decision to take the most money when you can because that can ultimately be self-defeating. There are a lot of people listening to me right now out there who have taken jobs for money that they wish they had not taken and in retrospect realize that that ended up costing them in the long run. I've done it. I've taken jobs that weren't the right decision for me as a younger guy because the money was better. 
but the long-range plan was not right. The long-range plan of Tiger and Phil here was so super smart. The long-range plan right now of Major League Baseball is fundamentally broken. All you have to do is look at the difference in the last week between those two situations to see who's making the right decision and who's making the wrong decision. When we come back, more on Major League Baseball, the NBA returning. We're going to have Chris Mannix, our NBA insider, join us. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Here's the deal. Uh, You guys know I'm fired up about Major League Baseball and the fact that they can't just get everything worked out and be ready to go and everything's flawless. And I've been given Major League Baseball reading them the riot act. I know baseball, it changes every single day. Somebody sends a tweet every hour, some new new aspect of the Major League Baseball negotiation uh, comes uh, out. But one thing that I don't think has been talked about a lot, and I'm going to get into this with Chris Mannix, who is scheduled to join us next uh, on OutKick. We're supposed to have him yesterday on Thursday. I told you we'd get to him on Friday. Uh, He's our NBA insider. When we initially started talking about the NBA returning, we were saying, hey, Las Vegas, that was my argument. Las Vegas made a lot of sense, a hotel there. And we were also saying, as that conversation continued, well, Disney World, because of the relationship between Disney and slash ABC, ESPN, and the NBA, they carry their games, uh, that it could make a lot of sense at the wide world of sports. And now I have an interesting question here. That made a lot more sense when Disney World wasn't open. And Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is scheduled to join us in hour three today. So I'm curious to get into this with him, assuming that he is able to make the program But to me, the really interesting question that is out there about this is, as you look at the data, is it going to make sense to quarantine people at Disney World when Disney World itself is open? Because the NBA players are going to get and start playing games at the end of July or early August is the most recent report. By the time that happens... Disney World is going to have been open for a couple of weeks. Uh, The Magic Kingdom, to the extent you know Disney World, Magic Kingdom, the oldest part of Disney World, uh, opens right now on July 11th. The, uh, The Animal Kingdom opens the same day, also July 11th. And Epcot opens July 15th. The, The Disney World complex is going to be back up and running almost full speed by July 15th. All the hotels, all the transportation, everything. And so it's going to be weird for the NBA players to basically be living in a bubble when there are tens of thousands of people that are theoretically able to be at the Disney properties on a day-to-day basis. Now, look, I understand that Disney World is a large complex because every time you talk about this, you bring it up. People are like, well, you know, Disney's got a ton of land. They bought a ton of land around Disney World. Yes, all that is true. There's nobody who's disputing it. But now they're talking about potentially allowing players to bring their families into the quarantine. And as a dad, I can see why things would sound really good if I did that. Because if I said to my 12, 9, and 5-year-old, hey, dad's going to get to go play basketball and we're all going to go stay at Disney World, my kids would be ecstatic But if I followed that up by saying, and you can't leave the hotel that we're staying in for the entire time that we're there, my kids would revolt. 
and my wife would revolt because she'd be like, wait a minute, you're going to bring us all the way down to Disney World. You're going to have us stay in a hotel room on the Disney complex and you're not going to allow us to actually go to Disney World, which is the whole reason anybody ever goes to Disney World in the first place. Nobody's like, hey, we're going to go to Disney World, kids, and then we're just going to stay in the hotel and we're never going to actually go to the park. If you have kids, good luck making that argument. And so the entire concept of the bubble doesn't make a lot of sense to me then because if you're going to bring your family in, I'll tell you exactly what would happen if this was my family. If I was being relocated, let's say, Fox Sports Radio, we'll talk about this with Chris Mannix. Let's say Fox Sports Radio was relocated to, uh, to the bubble. And we were all going to broadcast from there as a part of a quarantine. And we got to bring our family. As soon as my family got there, they would be like, Dad, we're bored in the hotel. We want to go to Disney World. We want to go to the actual theme parks. And eventually, my wife even if she went there with the idea that we would all just stay together in the hotel, eventually she'd be like, yeah, this is ridiculous. We're going to go to the amusement parks. And so I would imagine that the NBA player wives and their kids are going to be the exact same as my kids would be and my wife would be, which is it doesn't really make sense to quarantine and not be able to go to the overall park itself. And so as you break this down, I think there are a lot of moving parts. Like, why would you want to go to Disney World, stay in your room all day at Disney, look out your window and see like Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse and Goofy and Donald Duck and the whole cavalcade of characters, and you're not able to actually interact with them because you're on quarantine. It's actually kind of nonsensical. And if you have a family and you're thinking about this right now, you're like, man, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. So to me, if you're going to have families involved, why are you even relocating at all? It seems to me that the situation that would make the most sense is just stay in those cities, put the players on airplanes, fly them in, and let them live at home and stay with their families in the cities where they play basketball already. That's, that's the way that I would think about this going forward. I guarantee you my wife would say if I told her that I had to go to work at Disney World and quarantine in a hotel for two months, she would say, yeah, you go do that. I'm not bringing the kids down there and moving out of our house to stay in a hotel and not even be able to go to Disney World. It's nonsensical. It doesn't make any sort of logical sense at all. And I think that's probably what's going to end up happening as people look more and more at the details that potentially surround this decision from an NBA perspective. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
with wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of hand-cooked tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installation near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerack.com sports to see their hand-cooked test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerack.com sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we are joined now by Chris Mannix. He is our NBA insider. And uh, Chris, there's been a lot of discussion about Major League Baseball. Hockey at least has put out a plan. Major League Baseball's plan has gone public a couple of different times. There's obviously continuing debate about what that's going to look like before all is said and done. And frankly, whether anything is going to get resolved there. I feel like I've been saying the same question to you for months now because I have been Mm. saying the same question to you for months. What are the chances that we will see an NBA season in your mind as we sit here on Friday, the last Friday of May? 
Oh, I, I think the chances of a resumed season are 100% right now. Okay. It's just, it, it, it now, the final hurdle they're trying to get past, and, and they will get past it, is exactly who is going to be part of it. And you mentioned the NHL, and I think when the NBA comes out with with whatever formal plan they have, and there's a board of governors meeting uh, on Friday that, that will... Uh, I think, resolve or at least attempt to resolve a lot of issues. They want to be a little different than the NHL. Like the NHL, they announced they were coming back, but that was kind of it. Like there, there really wasn't anything concrete attached to that announcement. It was 24 teams, but it could be any number of cities. It could be any number of formats. It could be um, any, any time frame. Like there really wasn't a specific time frame attached to it. The NBA wants to be – wants to have something concrete when they come out and, and have a formal plan. And right now, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth this week amongst owners about what plan is the best way to go. There's a lot of conversation about just how significant, you know, getting regular season games in is to these regional partners that the NBA has got to satisfy with their television deal. So there's a lot of moving parts still when it comes to an NBA return. And, um, but I, I do think there will be a return. I think we're, we're well past the point of, of thinking the NBA could scrub the season. If they came to you, you've been covering the league for a long time. You're a smart guy. You're forward thinking. If they came to you and said, Chris, you're in charge of making the decision what our return will look like, what would you say is the best way to come back? I would say 16 teams, playoffs, mid-July, go. Like the, yeah, Adam Silver's made it clear he wants to try to crown a legitimate champion. That means there will be uh, best-of-seven series you know, amongst, uh, amongst these teams uh, in the beginning of the first round. And that's going to push you probably till close to October, if not into October, depending on how they, they balance out the schedule. Don't screw around with you know, a three-week training camp for the Detroit Pistons or the Cleveland Cavaliers and you know, bring them back for five meaningless games. I mean, we've already seen you know, star players like Damian Lillard have already come out and say, we don't want any part of just kind of you know, a, a, a regular season that gets the finances out of the way. We're not going to play. Like The team may play, but we're not going to play. And I think Lillard's comments are shared among some of the top players in the league. So don't, don't, don't even mess with something like that. The, the alternative I would say to them, though, is if you do decide to come back with all 30, don't do it for an NBA championship. Do something interesting. Do something fun. Do an NCAA tournament-style round-robin. I, I don't know what you do, but don't come back and, and try to crown a legitimate champion. Do something unique and make it the World Cup of Basketball for 2020 or something like that and, and you know, throw away with this fantasy that you know, this is any kind of continuation of the 2019-20 season. If you seeded them 1-16, to let's say you just bring back the playoff teams, or sorry, you bring back 16, would you still stick with the Eastern and the Western Conference divisions 1-8, through or would you go 1-16 to and play a different style playoff than has ever happened before? No, I'd go 1-16. to I mean, the only obstacle to going 1-16 to has been travel. Um, Yep. That's really it. I mean, the the nightmare of, like, Portland-Miami in the first round is something no commissioner has had the appetite for, from David Stern to... Adam Silver, but if you're all quarantined in one place, who cares? And you know, see if that uh, if that works better. If it's more interesting to have you know a Western Conference team play an Eastern Conference team in the second round and and mix things up that way. I mean, I don't know. Again, for the travel purposes, I don't know that it's a, it's a permanent solution. I just I just don't think there will be an appetite for that type of travel. But as it is, I mean, why not? I mean, you're you're all going to be in Orlando most likely. Uh, why not do it all in a couple of months, one to sixteen? 
We're talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. In theory, you never know 100% crazy things can happen, particularly when you're dealing with uh, this situation that we're in in the next hour on the program. Um, you've got all these different amusement parks opening up, right? When we initially talked about the idea of the quote-unquote NBA bubble, it was with the idea that you might go to Las Vegas. Now it looks like Disney World is going to be that location. And it seemed like activity was going to be relatively restricted. Now you're talking about Disney World effectively being back up open uh, in many ways, right? Disney World announced uh, that uh, Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom are supposed to open on July 11th and uh, that Epcot's supposed to open on July 15th. So you feel like things are likely to be back to normal. On top of that, there is also discussion about players being able to bring their families with them. Does this kind of kill the idea of a quote-unquote bubble and you're just basically deciding to do this all at one place, but you're not going to necessarily have the same strict quarantine measures that you might have had before? Because the reason why I bring this up, Chris, do you have kids? No. Okay, so you don't have kids, but I've got three kids. If I told them, hey, dad's going to be working at Disney World, and you get to come with me. And then I said, but you can't go to any of the parks. They would be like, what? It would be a major record scratch moment. Now, maybe the way they could work this out is they could let the kids go special hours you know, to the parks, late night, early morning, whatever it would be, without other crowds there. The reason why I bring it up is as soon as I hear family and Disney World, the idea of a strict quarantine seems out the window to me. Does that make sense to you uh, also that maybe things are changing in terms of this being uh, the, the, the bubble environment? Yeah, it does. And this is a question I've posed to league officials and, and team officials over and over again. Like, how do you even define a quarantine when you have family members involved? And, you know, one of the messages that's been, been you know relayed back to me was that, you know, players will be told that if they test positive or if a family member tests positive, they're going to be removed from the situation. If they, you know, if they venture out into the park or do whatever and, and, and leave that, that quote-unquote quarantine or the bubble, um, that they're, they're, they're taking their, their season to their own hands in that way. But that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, what if a, a, family, a kid from one family goes out and interacts with a kid from another family and the Amen. player from the other family yeah. winds up? I mean, it's, it just – I really – look, they're, they're not going to – the players' union has been pretty clear that a straight quarantine amongst just players is not on the table. Like they won't go for that. So the NBA has, you know, kind of they will have some kind of, you know, restricted number of family members that can be allowed down there. I just don't know how this this works. I don't know how it. I don't know how it makes any sense to call it a quarantine or have these guys quarantined if their family members or children are allowed out into the public or if they're allowed out of the public. It is, look, it is incredibly restrictive to ask, like, LeBron James or Giannis Tentacumpo. I mean, Giannis is not a baby. Like, if you ask Giannis to spend two months, potentially, away from his child, away from his family, just to finish the NBA season. But if I was the NBA, I would say, look, you don't have to do this. Like, we will not hold you to coming down and playing in the playoffs. But if you do, this is how it's got to be. This is the only way we can protect the integrity of the playoffs is by quarantining you individually and going from there. Then force the players to make a decision. Do you want to, you know, uh, are you willing to make the sacrifice of being away from your family for two months, or are, are you so determined to, to stay with family that you're not willing to participate with your team in the playoffs? It's a really interesting question because I'm just going to take it outside of the NBA universe. And if Fox Sports Radio came to me 
and they said, hey, as a result of the coronavirus, we have decided that we're going to have a radio bubble. And that radio bubble is going to be located at Disney World. And as a part of being in that radio bubble, you can bring your family with you. And, but they can't ever leave that bubble. My kids would lose their mind, and I think my wife would strangle me to have the kids <laughs> literally located at Disney World. Right, like we're literally staying at Disney yeah. World, and you're telling me that the kids can't go and go to any of the parks or any of the uh, any of the other surrounding amenities, which are otherwise open to the general public. There's no way. I'm just telling you that my wife would stay in that bubble. There's no way that she would keep my kids from going to that park. And then, like you mentioned, when they came back to stay with me. They'd be not only interacting with me, but I'm sure there's a swimming pool at the hotel. Mm-hmm. They'd be with all the other kids there. They'd be with all that. I mean, that's just the natural way this would go, and it doesn't have anything to do with being an NBA player. Like, I just don't see how you quarantine at Disney World. Now, when they were saying they were going to quarantine at Disney World and the park wasn't open, that made some sense to me, much like it right. would have in, in Vegas. But now all the Vegas hotels are opening, and all of Disney is opening, and I just don't see how you could create that environment involving wives and kids and not have it immediately blow up because some of those wives and some of those kids, and probably to be fair, some of those players are going to want to go to Disney World. No, you, I mean, you're right. And look, I mean, the nightmare scenario, as you might imagine, isn't, you know, Giannis catching it. It's Greg Popovich catching it. It's Mike D'Antoni catching it. It's, you know, one of these more compromised coaches or executives or owner or whoever is down there that's part of all this catching it and having something catastrophic ultimately come from it. I mean, that stuff happens, you know, across the country, but for the NBA to reopen and not have the kind of protocols in place and leave themselves open to criticism for that if somebody, you know, catches it, that's a problem. And look, I take the position on. You know, look, it's tough, I'm sure, to be away from your family for two months, but a lot of people do it in this world. And, I mean, it's look, and they make a lot less money, and there's a lot more danger to their lives, right? Like, we have a huge listenership overseas right now. It's not a surprise because guys who are serving overseas and, and girls, they miss home. And one of the ways that they want to feel connected if they're in Korea or they're in Germany or they're in Afghanistan is. They want to be able to listen to sports talk radio back in the United States because it takes them away from their physical location for a little while. Mm -hmm. Those guys and girls are risking their lives on a regular basis for a lot less money. So, and, And the other thing about this is you mentioned Giannis and LeBron, and they may have the two best teams in the East and the West. Uh, but the vast majority of these teams are quickly going to be leaving, right? So yeah. it's really not a huge percentage of the overall NBA population that would need to be uh, isolated from their families for very long. In in two weeks, you know, if, if it operates under a normal NBA schedule, half the teams will be gone, like half. Yeah. And then you start whittling it down every two or three weeks uh, from there as these rounds continue. So for maybe – you know, 24 to 30 players, it will be very difficult in terms of maybe going stir crazy in one spot, being away from your family. But for the vast majority 
of the players that are back, it will be a relatively short amount of time. And I, I just every time I kick around, you know, potential ideas and solutions with you know team personnel, it, it always comes back to this. There's there's absolutely no way to guarantee that nobody's going to test positive. There's no way to guarantee that everybody comes out of this healthy. You can take as many precautions as possible, but there's no way to do that. But the the smartest way to do this is to just effectively put these guys into the equivalent of a biodome and run your playoffs, and then you know hopefully everything works out. All right, let's. This is obviously a huge topic of discussion. Is the NBA basically that the, how to return is? But let's look ahead a little bit. Is the NBA you're talking about finishing in a September or October, right? If the NBA comes back yep. in mid July, we're not talking about an early June return where they could finish before the NFL and college football would be back. How would that look? Would they, so to your knowledge or to your thought process, would they put, let's say, the NBA Finals on a Saturday or Sunday during football season and try to compete? Would they stretch it out even more and only do, because I wonder, could they do only, let's say, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday? Would they play back-to-back days in an effort to try to avoid competing with the rest of the American sports calendar? Because the reason why I bring this up, the NBA has been very fortunate historically in that their audience for the NBA playoffs is pretty substantial because there's nobody else they're really competing with. You know, typically right. you get into June and the NBA finals are going on. I know baseball is going on, but it's early season baseball. Suddenly the NBA finals having to compete with the NFL and college football and, oh, by the way, maybe the baseball playoffs as well. Everybody's only got so much time. It seems like their audience would diminish substantially. Yeah, and and that's certainly something the NBA is considering as they map out the the future. Now, traditionally, NBA finals go since I've been covering it for almost twenty years. It's you know Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. That's the days yep. of the week they tend to go. They, they'll change that. There is no way on God's earth they're going up against Sunday night football or even you know we got golf tournaments that are going to be coming back. You could that's have, a good point too. Know, I didn't even think about major, that a major Sunday golf tournament, even horse race. You, know, you, don't, wanna, you don't want the, the oxygen taken away from your events, much less the ratings from that. So I would expect it to be kind of maybe a Monday, Wednesday, Friday type of thing uh, just to avoid uh, having to go up against the, the NBA Finals but, or up against other stuff. I would point out, too, that you can do it, and this is their plan, you can be more expedited with it because you're not traveling. Like You don't have to have the three days off between games that you have usually in the Finals. To, to move these guys from one coast to the other or wherever the finals games take place. So you can do it in a speedier way. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, sounds to me like a plan that would make some sense. Except they might be going head-to-head on ESPN with Monday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, all right, then Tuesday, Thursday. I mean, I don't know. Like, what, yeah, that's, that's what the, the reason why I was saying, like, the idea of a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday is that's, like, the only days where you wouldn't theoretically be competing head-to-head with the NFL. Because people make fun of Thursday night football, and they're like, oh, those matchups stink. But more people watch Thursday night football oftentimes than watch an NBA Finals game. So yeah. I think if you put an NBA Finals game up against the NFL's Thursday night football to say nothing of college football uh, that's also going on, I think the NFL would crush the NBA. It, it, I think it would too. I mean, it's uh, I, I can't you, under your scenario. I can't see them going back to back. Yeah, finals. that was my question. I, I think yeah. they'll always they'll always have to be a day in between. I mean, look, I, I think it's a question of 
you know, who do you choose to go up against? And I, I, they'll definitely go up against, you know, Thursday night football before they go up against Sunday night football and whatever else is going on yeah, during right. the weekend. So I think, I think Tuesday, Thursday, and then maybe back to Tuesday, Thursday, I don't know, something like that is probably a schedule they'll, uh, they'll prefer. All right, let's go to uh, beyond that. Is, is there now a generally accepted idea that the NBA is going to now embrace a later start to the year? Because what you're talking about is they basically are finished around the time that they would typically be coming back for training camp, right? Uh, so the, the, the usual start around you know October, uh, late October, would not be viable anymore for the NBA. So is there a generally accepted idea that they would start around Christmas Day now? Yeah, and maybe even later, because you know depending on when the schedule concludes, I mean, you've got to give teams two months off. I mean, that's... Yep. You know, sort of what, and some teams are going to have an extremely long hiatus as a result, but you've got to give teams a couple months off. So I think that December, even January, when you factor in, you know, the ambivalence amongst league owners to, to coming back any earlier than they have to just to get crowds into, back into their buildings. So they're, they're good with, with delaying as long as possible. My question is, like, how do you, how do you course correct if you want to go back to the That's the question, schedule? too. At, yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah, at, at, at some point, like you're either going to have to have an incredibly short off season or in a subsequent season, you're going to have to have a season with fewer games so that you end in June uh, as normal. And that's certainly not something the NBA has an appetite for because of the money lost in a shortened season. So I wonder, look, we've got television deals that are coming up in the coming years. If it turns out like in the 2020, 2021 season, that the ratings are really good, uh, for summer basketball, I think you will see the NBA renegotiate these deals with the structure in place that we're going to be going December, Christmas, until August. That is the new NBA schedule. If it works, I don't think we'll see any kind of return to a traditional October to, to June schedule. And what's fascinating about that is, and and look, we don't know what's going to happen. We're all dealing with a precedent. I think we talked about this with you last week where it's like, everybody's got to kind of study virology now to be able to talk about sports and epidemiology and everything else in a way that you never would have anticipated. But Mm. whenever the NBA comes back for season two, they're going to have to worry about the quote-unquote second wave, right? Whether something else might reemerge that could cause them to not be able to restart. That's been my argument for why getting back sooner rather than later makes the most sense. Because you 100% need to make sure you get back now because otherwise you might legitimately have to sit out for an entire year. Mm. Well, it's a calculated risk at, at this point. Like the NBA's gambling that a second wave won't be as significant. And in fact, it, you know, come February and March, fans will be back in the building as a vaccine and, develops. And like, I hope I, that's I get right. Your point. Yeah. I get, yeah. Like I get your point. Like it's, it's well taken. It's just the NBA is going to is going to choose the flip side of the argument that we'll just hope that things get back to normal quicker. We can get our fans back in, and the revenue will start driving. Because look, what's going on in baseball right now is just reprehensible. I, I know your feelings on it. That's oh, I'm I'm furious about, about it. it. it, it Are you a big baseball? Like, did you grow up a baseball? I mean, you're from Boston. Yeah, I mean, right? I you had Boston, to grow up a Red Sox yeah, fan, right? Yeah, huge Red Sox fan. I still go to games games at Fenway to this day. So, um, so how frustrating it, is it to you that baseball can't get this thing solved? 
No, it's it's maddening. Like that, you can't. Like there needs to be like an independent, you know, review of all the books and have somebody. Amen. Like I don't, I don't get it how they can't figure this out. It's it's infuriating to me. But let me say this: though, like, like the NBA is going to be fine financially with the union this year. Like players have gotten paid fifty percent of their salaries or more already, so it's not it's not an issue for finishing the season. But next year they could be in the same boat. Like if if we're still in, in October, November, and there are no. There's no sign of having fans back in sight. No, there are going to be some tough conversations with with the union over uh, how much players are going to get paid, what percentage they're going to get paid. I mean, it's, but they're they're avoiding this fight right now. But I don't think they have avoided this fight. I think that's still coming if things remain largely the same in the fall. Last question for you. I talked about this yesterday on the show. Uh, the NBA's relationship with China blew up in a big way in the preseason, and a lot of people have forgotten about it because there's been so much chaos since. China basically has gone in, and, and for people who've forgotten about this, Daryl Morey said, hey, there needs to be you know freedom for Hong Kong. They need to have the right to democracy. China basically has gone in, and I don't even know how many people in my audience are paying attention to this, but China has basically gone into Hong Kong, and they've said, hey, if you're protesting, we can put you in prison for five years. If you don't respect the Chinese national anthem, you can go to jail for three years. And we're talking about Chinese prison, which ain't exactly, you know, uh, Club Med, right? I mean, this is really serious draconian action. Is the NBA going to get drawn back into this China mess uh, in addition to all the coronavirus issues, because the league wants to be so outspoken on so many different issues. Yet when a guy like Steve Kerr, and I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but I mean, he has, mm-hmm. it seems like a political opinion on everything. And he's certainly entitled to whatever political opinions he wants. I'm not, I'm not arguing about that. But for him to avoid China and for LeBron to avoid China as outspoken as they are on other issues, this seems like it's like a train that's colliding right with the NBA. I don't know how they avoid it. Yeah, I mean, well, to Steve Kerr and LeBron, I mean, we all know that we're all kind of more passionate about things that hit close to home, right? And and there are things that LeBron sees, obviously, what happened in Minnesota. And, you know, Steve Kerr with his past and his family's history, I mean, he's very passionate uh, certainly about gun violence. Uh, so I don't fault these guys for not jumping into the fray. I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't jump into every fray either, even if on stuff that I'm necessarily passionate about. What I am curious about um, and, and what could be and what the response is, you know, Adam Silver has these press conferences at, at major events. There's international media at these events. There's a lot of Chinese media that follows the NBA that shows up at the finals and at major NBA events. Adam Silver takes questions from these people. Like, what if there's a member of, you know, whatever amounts to independent Chinese media out there that asks the question of, you know, what do you think about what's going on in Hong Kong? Like, how does Silver answer that? Does he tap dance around it? Does he uh, answer it directly and bluntly, which I'm skeptical of? Um, I'm very curious to see what happens in that particular scenario. I don't think you're just, Clay, look, the bottom line is you're not going to see NBA general manager, NBA personnel weigh in on Chinese issues. It's just... I don't know if it's been explicitly said, but it's certainly understood that you, you kind of you steer clear of that topic. But, you know, it's possible Silver could be put in a position where he has to answer a question about China and Hong Kong, and, and I'd be very interested to see what his answer is. Good stuff, as always, Chris Mannix, at SI Chris Mannix. We will uh, continue to talk with you, and uh, hopefully Major League Baseball can get this freaking thing solved. <laughs> it's driving me insane. You got it, Clay. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock, and there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestein tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their redestine test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be you just heard us breaking down a lot of the NBA-related issues with 
uh, Chris Mannix there, who's pretty outstanding. Uh, we're scheduled to be joined by Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, in the third hour of this program. And certainly the NBA's decision to be at Disney World will be a part of the discussion that we uh, hope to get into with him. But the more I think about this, uh, the English Premier League is back. And the English Premier League is back despite the fact that there are far more uh, deaths per capita that have occurred in England than have occurred in the United States. And I raise that as an issue because many of these different leagues seem to have been focused on the idea that they needed to be in a bubble-like environment. And I think based on that conversation you just heard me have with Chris Mannix, a lot of you are starting to ask the question, wait a minute, in a world where casinos are back open and every casino basically in Las Vegas is going to be open next week, in a world where theme parks, amusement parks uh, like Legoland and uh, SeaWorld and Disney World before long and Universal Studios, where all of those are open back up and that's occurring, why would we require players to be like the only people who are quarantining at this point based on the way we're opening up America? And I think that's a really interesting question because, look, I made the argument that a quarantine return might make sense in the world of sports. You might remember uh, months ago, Petros Papadakis came on this radio program and made fun of me because I was making the argument uh, that it could make sense for leagues to come back if they created their own bubble. And we had Dana White talking about uh, the, the, uh, the UF, and I think they're trying to uh, do the Fight Island. I saw where they had filed for a trademark on UFSEA, uh, UFC, as in a C, a body of water, as opposed to the letter C. Um, and all of those ideas made sense, and maybe the UFC island could still make sense because you're not letting in a lot of foreign nationals, and so you might have to go to a particular location that you can control in order to get fights taking place for people who are from outside the country. But does it really make sense to even think about quarantining? Remember, Major League Baseball was like, we're going to go to Arizona and all the players are going to be quarantined there and they're going to be away from their families and we're going to play all the games there. And then Major League Baseball said, no, no, no. Now we're going to go to Texas and we're going to go to Florida and we're going to go to Arizona. And then all of those plans, the NBA was going to go to Las Vegas. Now the NBA is going to go to Disney World. All those plans seem like they made sense when the nation as a whole was not open back up. But when you're in Las Vegas and you can look out your window and the strip is full go, and you can walk into every casino, it doesn't really make sense to be quarantining your players. And when you can look out your window in Disney World, and you can see Mickey and Minnie and all the characters walking around, and everybody getting on the buses to go to Disney World, it seems really strange to be quarantining players there too. So I think at least for now... There's probably an argument in the United States that we've passed the idea of quarantine, which means that all these leagues that have spent so much time trying to develop an idea of where they should go and how they should do it doesn't really make sense going forward at all. What makes more sense to me is going ahead and using the existing infrastructure, the team practice facilities, the team arenas, and just go ahead and put people on airplanes and fly them around. Now, maybe you go back to in the NBA 
a 2-3-2 model so that instead of having everybody go, if you were doing this, instead of having everybody go 2-2-1-1-1, which requires a lot more travel, you go back to the old school 2-3-2 model in a seven-game series, and that's the way you're going to play it out. In theory, it doesn't really matter where the games are being played uh, because there's no crowds present. So the idea of 2-3-2 being less fair is not as substantial. If you did that, you would require potentially much less travel. And I feel like it makes more sense for baseball and for hockey and for the NBA based on the way the country's opening up to start thinking about just keeping the guys in the cities they're already in. And then then you can have a relationship with your family like you would ordinarily during the season. You're just, instead of being in a hotel in Disney World, you're doing it there. I don't know why that doesn't make more sense than the idea of doing a quarantine, which might have made sense when the Disney Worlds and Las Vegases of of the United States are shut down, but certainly doesn't make sense now. Just think about it a little bit. When we come back, we'll talk about the English Premier League, why I'm frustrated that the EPL is back before the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL, or the NBA. Uh, And hopefully we're going to be joined by the uh, governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis. I would argue he's the politician who has been the most impactful in terms of returning sports to America. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when 
you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their bridgestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Appreciate all of you hanging out with us across the country on Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a good Friday. We are going now down to the great state of Florida where they have been instrumental in helping to bring back sports in the country. Uh, And we're joined now by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Governor, I appreciate you getting up early with us here. And uh, what's the latest on the ground, as you can tell people across the country uh, in the state of Florida this morning as we head into the weekend? Well, thanks for having me on, Clay. I mean, I would, I'm really proud that of all the most of the sporting events, I think other than the one NASCAR race, and we wanted that one in Florida too, but that they did it in South Carolina because most of the drivers are in that area. Um, you know, we've done two different charity golf. We've done UFC. We've had WWE. We are going to get a NASCAR race um, uh, going in June, I believe. And then we're looking to potentially be in Central Florida, the host of Major League Soccer and potentially the NBA. So I've said very, very early, we welcome all this. It's very important for our country. You're never going to be back to normal if people don't see sports on TV. And so I think it's something as a sports fan, I just want to see because uh, you know I haven't had a lot of time to watch TV over the last couple months, but when I'm home at night, I, you turn on a game, they're just not there. Um, in fact, I think I had on the, um, uh, you know, watching stuff from 2000, watched the Fiesta Bowl last night, part of it, Ohio State. By the Miami way, from let's, talk, let's talk about that because I was watching that game as well last night, the replay. What do you think about the pass interference call? 
Yeah, I remember at the time. I mean, I look, I, I'm a Florida guy, so I was rooting for the Canes over the, the Buckeyes. My wife's a Buckeye, so uh, we had a little bit. I yes. didn't know her then, but um, we, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was a bum call. I mean, I think that Miami team. I mean, talent. They were stacked. They obviously had. Um, you know, they did well the year before as well, winning. But uh, it was uh, it was one of those things. But you know, that really kind of set Ohio State, and then they were able to because they really hadn't gotten over the hump until that point. So it was a big victory for them. And I know my wife and her family are very happy with that call. As a kid growing up, uh, I'm going to get to Little League World Series because I, I don't know that I've heard you talk about that before, but were you a big fan of all sports in the state of Florida? Because you grew up, you're almost exactly my age, I think. You got to watch a lot of the fun and gun with Steve Spurrier. As you mentioned, you got the late stages of the Miami dynasty and then them rebuilding uh, a new one that was pretty impressive. And obviously, Bobby Bowden and Florida State. I mean, that's the golden age of about 20 years there of college football, and it was mostly located in the state of Florida. Uh, no, it was phenomenal growing up. I, when I was first started getting into it in the 80s, I was a kid, I liked the Hurricanes. And uh, when they played Notre Dame in the famous Catholics versus Convicts game, I'm rooting for Miami. You know, my grandparents and stuff, you know, we're all Catholic. They're like, why are you not rooting for Notre Dame? But I'm rooting for Miami. But then what happened was I went in high school to the swamp at University of Florida. And actually, I was there when one of Peyton Manning's games um, for Tennessee. And it was an electric atmosphere and then just SEC. So, you know, I've rooted for all the Florida teams, but but that SEC football, there's just something that's so special about it. And certainly, you know, 90s and then when the, in the T- Tim Tebow years, Florida was uh, was the class of the East most of the time. It's been a little more difficult in the last few years, but, uh, but yeah, it's been great. I tell you, what I did uh, last year was I signed a letter of congratulations to every blue chip uh, recruit that came out of high school in the state of Florida. And the thing is, a lot of them are going to Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. You go back in the 80s and 90s, and I challenge you to find very many uh, blue-chip recruits who were leaving the state of Florida. And so it just shows you the competition is really fierce. Um, I think Florida has a you – know, I think Florida, if you look and, and honestly looked at last season, I think they probably played LSU better than anybody. Um, it was a tough game going to LSU. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they lost to Georgia. And, and so they're not where they need to be, but I think they're on the – good road to do that they got a great coach um and then fsu is going to take a little bit more time i mean that that really um you know went south um but hopefully they both get back because it's really great we if you won the state championship you were probably the best team in the country uh back in the 80s and 90s and it was a really neat era to grow up in we're talking to ron desantis you just mentioned uh, all the high school talent that comes out of the state of florida and really goes all over the country do you expect for high school football to be played in – I know a lot of people are focusing on pro football and they're focusing on college football, but in the state of Florida, do you expect high school football to be able to be played in some form or fashion this fall? Absolutely. I mean, this is so important for our kids, uh, particularly those who are going to be seniors. Uh, we need to be able – they need to be playing, and um, you know, I'm convinced that, that it's um, – that it's something that'll be that'll be safe to do. So we should absolutely assume a, a full uh, full high school football season. And I know, look, we had a lot of kids in these spring sports. They got deprived uh, of some of their senior years, and obviously you have other folks in, in lower. But to just be deprived of a season is a big, big, big problem. Um, we turned on all the youth sports and youth camps in Florida, so that's able to be done right now. Now that's separate, not necessarily tied to being in school with the summer stuff. But I think we're going to see that that's going to go very well and I think there'll be a lot of momentum to make sure that that we have our kids uh, being able to play um, in the fall and here's the thing 
if a parent doesn't want their kid to play, then don't then don't let them play. But to deprive other kids of the opportunity, you know, I think would be a big mistake. And that obviously would tie in, I would imagine, with the idea of kids being back in school, in your opinion, this fall in Florida, that that's important to do as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think when we went into this coronavirus, um, it was pretty obvious as we got into like early March that for whatever reason, uh, young people were just much less likely to suffer severe consequences. It's interesting, in Florida so far, we have more COVID-related fatalities age 90 and above than we do age 65 and below. Uh, But then when you get to the 0 to 18, Florida has zero fatalities in that age group. And so we understood, I think, just from looking at Italy's data, South Korea's data, uh, that for whatever reason, kids were less likely to suffer severe clinical consequences. But the thought was, like a flu outbreak, that the kids would be the main drivers of it, that they would be infecting the teachers and the parents. And so I think that's what led to a lot of the school closures. But you look at a lot of the research that's been done in Europe, Australia, other places, uh, they're not finding kids being you know, significant uh, components in spreading this thing. Um, and so that's something that needs to be taken into account. The influenza model, although I understood why people embraced it at the time, doesn't really seem to be applicable when you're talking about uh, coronavirus. And so we should really be judged, we should really be guided by the actual evidence and the actual data when we're making these decisions. Why isn't that happening? By the way, thank you so much for just sharing all of that because I've been trying to share the actual data with my audience ever since this started because I want sports back, right? And I want a return to normalcy in this country. And I don't see that as being partisan in any way. And a stat you just gave, Florida has had more people die who are 90 plus than 65 and below, zero under the age, uh, from the age of zero to 18. And the fact that kids don't seem to be top transmitters. Uh, We talked about this with Senator Toomey from Pennsylvania last week because he's argued Little League Baseball needs to come back. Why do you think everything has become so partisan and the actual data is rarely, if ever, being talked about by many of our political leaders? You know, I think part of it is the co- the country obviously has been very politicized. Everything you do, I mean, hell, a lot of sports channels get very politicized. That's, I think, an unfortunate part um, of of where we are as a country. But part of it is just the national media. Their number one mission in life is to eject the president of the United States from office. And so, whatever they can do to try to shape a narrative. And I think in this case, if you go back, the end of January, I, I was one of the guys that publicly called on the president to stop the flights from China because we saw this and, you know, we, we saw it spreading in Wuhan and other places. Um, and he did. And he was criticized for that. They said, oh, this is just like, this is less dangerous than the flu. They downplayed it because he did it. Then when he said it was going to be fine, then they said, so I think a lot of this was based off political narrative. Uh, clearly, uh, good good data is just not highlighted. It's dismissed. And then they'll try to spotlight things uh, that really aren't reflective of the data. Um, and I think that, it, and it's not just the fact that, that they're doing that for political purposes. It has an effect. So, for example, if you look around the country, uh, mid-March, certainly until May, uh, you had a huge decline in the number of people who were showing up to get medical treatment for heart problems and stroke symptoms. Now, we don't think that strokes and heart attacks just stopped in mid-March, right? So the, the thing, the obvious assumption would be that people were fearful of going to get medical 
medical treatment because of coronavirus. Some people thought they would catch it and die. Some people thought that the hospitals were all overflowed. They wouldn't have a bed. Whatever reason, that was uh, directly affecting people's health and wellness. And so we've had to go out in Florida. I've had doctors, I've done events at hospitals saying, if you have heart problems, do go get medical attention. Don't put it off. Um, but it's really been frustrating to see um, you know, that type of an effect. I think people are starting to understand, look, this is something that's a serious pathogen, but it is a pathogen that has a disproportionate impact on not just those 65 and older, but if you really look at it, 65 and older in long-term care facilities or that have one or more comorbidities, that is really where you see the vast, vast majority uh, of the fatalities for this. If you're under 50, kind of working age population, uh, I would say in Florida of the deaths that are 50 and under, I'd say 99% are linked to uh, significant you know, comorbidity. I mean, people that have had uh, you know, serious complications. And, and obviously that's important and you want to have policies that can help protect those folks. But to act like if you're 30 years old and you leave your house, that somehow you have a great chance of catching this and dying, it's just not factually accurate. We're talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. One of the things that's frustrated me that you just hit on is I don't know how many times on media and social media I saw people talking about Floridians walking on the beach uh, and the fact that your state was going to be the next Italy or your state was going to be the next New York City. All of the negativity that could rain down upon you and your state and your citizens from the national media did. You open up the state. Numbers have declined, you know, hospitalization, I believe, cases, deaths in general, and or stayed stable. I know this. I've I've lived in Florida for much of May. I've got a home in Rosemary Beach, fantastic place. Beaches were spectacular. I thought you've done a great job opening up the state. So I literally lived uh, in the state of Florida as much of this was going on. And I couldn't believe how dishonest and untrue much of the media was. Again, that had to be incredibly frustrating to you because, as you just mentioned, the way that your state was being covered may well have cost lives because people were so terrified to go seek treatment. How bad of a job, in your opinion, has the national media done informing and covering the coronavirus, particularly related to your state? Well, those folks in the national media are are rabidly partisan, and so it's all through their partisanship, and and that's why they they, they treated Florida the way it is. Um, And it's nothing more than that, because you look at some of the other states that they have elevated as being darlings and governors, you know, have done a really, really poor job in terms of the results. But I think this really crystallizes how just out of touch they were. The first time they had a freak out about people being on the beach was March 15th. It was people on Clearwater Beach. They were, you know, just out there. They thought that was the worst thing ever. Um, That same day is when we signed our order that, one, prohibited people from entering nursing homes for visitation, and two, prohibited hospitals from sending sick infectious coronavirus patients back into nursing homes. And as we know, you know, New York, Michigan, Pennsylvania, a lot of these other states, they did the exact opposite. They forced sick patients into nursing homes, which obviously is a tinderbox because it spreads amongst the most vulnerable, and that's part of the reason they have such high death count. Nobody in the media said anything about those early actions to protect the most vulnerable. They were more concerned about 25-year-olds or 18-year-olds on the beach 
which is a very low-risk environment, and they had no interest in actually covering what was actually important. So we were taking the steps that you needed to do, and the results have been what they are. We have a much lower uh, fatality rate in our long-term care facilities. In fact, some of these states have more fatalities just among long-term care facilities than Florida has for the entire state, including everyone, sometimes two or three times as much. Uh, so, so those actions were just ignored um, in favor of more political narratives. And so, and I also just, you have to go by science and data. And the fact is, it was very obvious by the time we got into March that this was not a virus that was terribly transmissible outdoors. Doesn't mean it couldn't happen, obviously, if you get close enough to people. But for doing routine outdoor activity, it was simply low risk. The places where this thing was really being transmitted were those enclosed environments where you're in repeated contact with people, usually over an extended period of time, a prison, a nursing home, people's individual homes. Homes are the number one place where we've had outbreaks nationwide, in the home, amongst family members. So um, they didn't care about any of the science. They didn't care about the data. It was all about a political narrative, and I'm in the other party from them, and so they're going to attack. That's just the nature of the beast. You're a smart guy. You went to Yale. You went to Harvard. It didn't matter. You were a Republican governor in a state that voted Republican with people out walking on the beaches. The data since you have opened has really, I mean, I even saw ABC tweet last night that all the 21 states that have been opened since May have not seen any increase overall in cases, hospitalizations, or deaths since they opened. Uh, but you mentioned earlier how politics often can infect uh, the uh, the world of sports. We had Peter King. You may know Peter King, uh, who, uh, who works for NBC and does a Monday morning football quarterback uh, column. And we had him on, and you mentioned your data. You are basically identical to the state of California. And a lot of people out in the media have been like, oh, Gavin Newsom is the greatest governor in the history of mankind. They certainly have praised Andrew Cuomo, uh, even though, as you mentioned, the nursing home decision that he made and Gretchen Whitmer made and the governor Wolf of Pennsylvania made has been disastrous. But I I talked about the governor's work. This was uh, last month. I want you to listen to it. I'm not sure if you've heard it. We put it on social, but this is only 20 seconds. Listen to this. Ron DeSantis did a good job because the numbers are not very bad. I would not say I would absolutely would not say that Ron DeSantis did a good okay. job. But my question he was is a day late and forty dollars short. All right, we obliterated Peter King when he came on <laughs> because he had no data. But that's an example of a sports figure. What's your reaction when you hear a guy who's clearly not looking at the data? I say, if you look at the data, you're doing a pretty good job. And by the way, I also gave credit to other governors of other political parties because I try to be bipartisan on this show and certainly because I don't think the coronavirus is partisan. But when you see a sports figure like that, a guy with a million Twitter followers who's out there ripping you, and by the way, he rips me all the time too because I don't have the right opinions in his mind. What do you think? Well, one thing I realized, and I didn't really appreciate this growing up, is just how partisan a lot of sports journalists are. I mean, these yeah. guys are just unbelievable how partisan and how political they can get. And I don't know if that's because, you know, they don't feel like they get respected as much as kind of someone covering, like, international affairs or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's very much group think. They, I can tell a sports writer almost immediately they're all going to have the same political opinions. And so it's, it's really very unoriginal. But it's interesting. So you 
you not only compare like Florida with like a New York or a New Jersey or any states, I mean our our fatality per 100,000 are way way less, even though we have the most vulnerable population. But you also have to look at you know I didn't shut down construction. I ca- I was accelerating road projects here. We handled this in a very moderate, reasonable way and still had much better health outcomes. But the Wall Street Journal pointed out. Our unemployment for construction, we only lost 4% of the jobs during this period. New York and these states were 40 to 50%. So they're going to end up with they've obviously worse health outcomes, but then also the economic shocks are going to last long and long. We've done a, a good job of mitigating that in Florida. Obviously, the tourism is what it is, but that's going to come back. Um, uh, so you have to look at it. Who is following the data in terms of, of trying to generate the best health outcomes? But also following the data means you don't do things that are going to cause other types of harms that are not going to do anything to to help the health as well. And I think so many of these policies, you look around the country, you can't plant seeds in your front yard, you can't go to a drive-in church service, all these things that have nothing to do with slowing the disease, um, but really I think sowed a lot of uh, mistrust amongst the citizens of some of those states. You mentioned the data from nursing homes and long-term care facilities. It was clear from Washington State where this first outbreak was noticed that these were particularly vulnerable populations. You made the right decision in Florida, and as a result, fewer people have died than would have otherwise. What data were the governors of New York, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, all these places that have had wildly high death rates looking at when they decided to take coronavirus patients out of the hospital and send them back to nursing homes. I mean, that seems like just an utterly disastrous decision on its face, regardless of anything other than looking at the data. I don't think it was data, but I think what it was were these... um these models, these doomsday models that were prepared mostly by academics, people who really aren't actually treating any patients or anything, but they were doing that, and they would say that our hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. So, for example, there was one model that said by April 24th, Florida would have 464,000 people hospitalized because of coronavirus. Now, that's actually a terrifying thing because we only have 70,000 licensed hospital beds in the entire state. Um, So that's what they were predicting. Now, if you go to April 24th, you know how many people we actually had hospitalized? Not 464,000. We had 2,100 people hospitalized. And so all those models were floating around. I had so many models put on my desk. And it was obvious that they were based on implausible assumptions. They knew nothing about the underlying states. I had some that said in three days, half the hospitals in Florida will be overwhelmed. And I'm like, really? I was like, well, what's our census right now? Oh, we have 50% of our beds available statewide. Well, how are we going to be overwhelmed all of a sudden? So I rejected those models as being implausible because it didn't reflect the actual hospital data that I was getting in real time. I think what a lot of those governors feared was, oh, we're going to be 100 thousand hospital beds short. So if you have a nursing home resident who's COVID positive, but they're medically stable, they wanted to move them out of the hospital to be able to have beds available for this mythical surge that was going to happen. And so that decision to put a medically stable but infectious COVID patient in back into a nursing home that didn't have the ability to properly isolate them was obviously um, wrong. But it's wrong. Even if you believe the models, Clay, it was still 
wrong because we know the hospitalizations are driven by the people in that age group. So if you take an infectious nursing home patient and put them in the nursing home, you're going to end up having more nursing home residents come and need hospital care. So even if you believe the models, it still was the wrong decision. But I think it was all flowed from those apocalyptic models trying to conserve as much hospital space as possible. And obviously, you know, those models were, were inherently flawed. The media ran with them. The media hyped them up. But I think most people that asked critical questions about them at the time, it wasn't very difficult to see that they really weren't based on any actual facts or data. We're talking to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. You were the captain of the Yale baseball team, and you went up to Williamsport to play in the Little League World Series. How important is Little League coming back to our kids who have had much taken away from them, as you said, since school shut down? And what was your experience like in the Little League World Series? Well, we actually had set out to go to Williamsport from day one. We had uh, we wrote underneath our hats WWT. We want Taiwan because Taiwan was the powerhouse then. <laughs> That's right. You know, they would win every year. Now it turns out that you know they were playing fourteen year olds yeah, in the twelve year old league, but let's just sweep. It was kind of suspicious because they all had mustaches. You were like, uh, wait no, a minute, yeah. I don't know how old these kids are. So, so we ended up we, we and we made it. And we, so that there was only four American teams at that time. So we were U.S. South. That's all thirteen states in the Southeast, including Texas. Um, and we ended up, we played California in the first round. It was single elimination then. They didn't have what they had now. We were definitely the best American team, pound for pound. But California had this dude. He, I think he was shaving. He looked like he was like 16. He was throwing, <laughs> he was throwing 81 from 45 feet away. So that's the equivalent, I think, of about 108 from when you're doing 81 from there. So the dude's just blowing smoke. And we, I, somehow we scored four runs off of him, but he ended up hitting like a three. And, and when, when we were doing batting practice out, they have kind of like other fields you do it. He was hitting like three, you know, the little league fence is like 200 yards, 200, 200 feet. This dude was hitting 330 yards, <laughs> 330 feet bombs in, in BP. It was unbelievable. So that, so we lost five to four. They ended up losing to Taiwan in the championship game. I think had we made it to the championship game, I think we would have had a good chance uh, to beat Taiwan. But you go out there, I mean, it's like, it's, for a 12-year-old kid, it's like heaven. I mean, this beautiful stadium. They now have another stadium, but they didn't at the time. You know, you have the hills where people will sit, make big scoreboard, field is perfectly manicured, you know, really, really neat thing. But I think just as a kid, to set out to do that and then to end up getting there, you know, really, I think, taught a lot of us that, okay, if you set goals and you work, and we practiced every day over the summer, you practice hard, you have the opportunity to do some of those things. And so, so it was really good. And then I was also fortunate. I grew up in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, our high school facilities were the Toronto Blue Jays spring training facilities. That was owned by the city of Dunedin. So we play, we would practice and play our home high school games in the, the spring training park for the Toronto Blue Jays. And so I played four years in college. You know, we played, obviously, you know, I played North, Northeast folks. But then, you know, we played Vandy. We played, you know, Kentucky. We played Florida teams. We played all across the country. I never played on a better field in any game in college than I did every day in high school being able to play in that spring training stadium. So it was a really good small city to grow up in to want to if you like baseball um it was you had a lot of opportunities question for you about tom brady where were you when you found out brady was going to go to tampa bay do you think the bucks are a legit super bowl contender with him 
Well, the answer to the second question is yes, and I think Tom has a chance. He's obviously you know, without peer, but he has a chance to do something I don't think has ever been done is, is have a home team host the Super Bowl um, in Tampa if he can get us there. And so I, I think uh, he's got a lot of weapons, and then to bring Gronk on is really exciting. I was surprised. I mean, you, know, you kind of heard different things, uh, but I just assumed he'd end up staying with New England. Um, and Tampa at first wasn't really talked about there. I think they were talking about the Raiders and some other teams. So when we did it, I was really, really excited. And I know a lot of people in the, in the Tampa Bay area are excited. You know, Coach Arians is a good coach. And so I think everyone's really, really excited. And, you know, Tom, he works his butt off. I mean, this guy, uh, he doesn't take anything for granted. He really wants to win in Tampa, and so I think it's the right decision. You know, Tampa played pretty good in a lot of those games, but they just they had too many turnovers at the quarterback position. I think Tom will, will certainly fix that. Do you believe there will be fans in football stadiums? You got the Super Bowl down in Tampa, Brady's down there, but you also, as we've talked about, Florida State, Florida, Miami, lots of big college football. I saw the state of Texas now starting in June, 25% occupancy. How close do you think you are to allowing fans to attend sporting events in Florida? So we're working on some stuff for June uh, with with some of the um, uh, entities, but I think certainly by the fall, uh, we should assume that there's going to be fans. I mean, if something changes, you can always make make arrangements. But I'm really frustrated when I hear people say ruling out fans for the fall already. Uh, really? How could you even do that? I mean, we you, know, you go back two months in terms of where we are. It's like night and day. And so nobody really knows how this thing's going to go. But I think if you look, I think the, uh, Asia, Europe, peak, they're, they're on the decline. U.S. is on the decline. So the assumption should be, we're going to play and, and we're going to have fans as you get closer if something happens then you can always make um, you know make different arrangements or accommodations but to simply rule it out um, I think is a, is a huge mistake and it's also just uh, from a psychological perspective the message that sends to people uh, I think is not the message that we want to be sending last question I appreciate all the time Florida Governor Ron DeSantis do you think the NBA and MLS will be in some way in Florida to resume their seasons the red carpet is open. Uh, I know Disney's having dis- productive discussions. I don't know that they have a deal yet, but Florida will be a great place to go uh, for it. And, and here's the thing. These athletes, they don't need to be quarantined or any of this other stuff. I mean, you know, the, the grocery store clerks aren't quarantined, people that work in everything. So, you know, they'll have a campus, but I think that they, in Florida, we're not going to expect them to, to never leave their room just to play games. And so I think it'll be a good environment for the athletes as well. Um, and obviously the fans would love to see it. So we think, we think the soccer looks pretty good and, and hopefully the NBA as well. Look, the first league that gets out there is going to have a huge group of fans that are going to want to watch. I mean, Tiger and Phil got almost 6 million people just for a charity golf match. If you get out there, people will watch. There's no doubt. I think someone that gets there quickly is going to be able to get a lot of fans. Outstanding stuff. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I appreciate all of you hanging out uh, with us. Encourage you to share the podcast, share the interviews, follow me on Twitter. Some information is really important surrounding the coronavirus and a return to normalcy. The data is all moving in a very good direction. All 21 states that have opened up, seeing declining cases in hospitalizations and in deaths, according to uh, media reports. Things are getting better, and Ron DeSantis is a big part of that. We need sports back sooner rather than later. Have great weekends. This has been OutKick. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. 
Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.